welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and as always I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey Dilly, how are you doing? Hi Nick, thank you so much, I'm very good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm sure as uh, listeners might be able to make out, I'm um, off-site. I'm in Newcastle uh, for the Easter holidays, enjoying the lovely sunny weather. It was apparently minus degrees last night back home, my wife mm-hmm. was telling me earlier, and it was lovely and sunny today, so I had a nice wander around town, uh, ate some Greggs, did all those exciting things that I like to do. So, Have you had the much maligned Cadbury creme eggs? Oh no, not yet. I'm sure they'll be coming up. My uh, mum does a Easter basket for the kids, uh, which means that mm-hmm. all the sort of parents just take all the chocolate off children <laughs> stop eating that yeah you've had too much so they definitely like the they'll definitely be part of that but uh, yeah it's it's not something you really get in germany is it i think Reva has some cadbury stuff available but i've never seen uh, creme eggs yeah i think you get i mean let's be honest germany's not it doesn't have a deficit of chocolate options when it comes to <laughs> When it comes to Easter, it's got loads and loads of stuff. It's always got. You're, you're quite right about that. I think uh, we have like two very um, prominent chocolate seasons in Germany. One is Christmas mm-hmm. and the other is Easter. They just feel like there's a lot of sort of recycling of, of stuff. You know, there seems to be a lot of uh, like the chocolate rabbits have a similarity to the chocolate Santa Clauses, you know, those kinds of things. Do you really mean it about the recycling? Well, like it looks, there's sort of there's a similarity there, isn't there, between the sort of the options of chocolates that you Are get. Are the options of chocolates, or do you mean, do you think like, oh, okay, let's collect all the Easter bunnies that didn't sell, and then you know prepare it for Christmas with some new flavor? Melt them down and reuse them. I mean, why not? That doesn't seem like such a bad idea. No, I, I think it's quite <laughs> green. You know, Fridays for Future recycled chocolate. Why not? I bet that's not how it works, though. I bet that's not how it works. <laughs> I've always wondered about that. Well, it always seems to sort of crop up. You're sort of waiting for uh, um, Christmas ends. They sell off as much of the Christmas Mm. chocolate as possible at half price. Mm. And then straight away you see uh, Easter decorations. That's true. Um, Huh. I saw that almost like New Year. That's it. New Year was where we went to buy some uh, New Year's kind of decorations mm-hmm. for a New Year's Eve party. They were already, uh, that was New Year's Eve, and they were already putting up the Easter products. Oh, I see. Have you seen the the Lint collection of Easter chocolate? I know like Lint bunnies are pretty big, but the, I think the only ones I've seen are the standard, your standard Lint bunny, you know, like big and small. I think there's a dark chocolate one, isn't there? That's the one I've. Is there other ones? I think they've really like gone out this time. Mm-hmm. So I've seen an extremely large bunny. Mm-hmm. I mean, you usually have like three sizes. So now they have like more sizes. Right. And there's a bunny with a leopard print. There's a bunny with a zebra print, <laughs> at least on the cover. And there is a strawberry Easter bunny. That's a good option. I like strawberry sounds nice. Have you seen it? Uh, no. <laughs> no, is it, is, it, is it not looking so great? It looks like chicken pox Easter bunny. <laughs> Does it have like strawberry bits in it? It has, yeah, it looks like, I don't want to say anything worse, so I'm just going to stay with chicken pox. Yeah, I could, I've got an image in my head of what it might look like. Yeah, yeah it does sound great, does it? That bunny is itching all over. 
I know uh, Linz, Linz is a Swiss company, so I guess, like, because Germans really love Switzerland, don't they? Like, or at least mm. maybe that's just a southern German thing. But I, I've yet to meet a German who didn't think that the Swiss were just doing it better. They were just doing it better than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm not surprised, like, uh, Lindt chocolates are a popular option for the Germans, for sure. Yeah. Don't see them that much here. I went around the shops today, I spent most of the uh, day in, uh, in the city centre. Lots of chocolate eggs, but not a lot of lint chocolate. Mm-hmm. And like loads of Cadbury's eggs, all types of kind of sizes. Mm. Noticeably, I thought it was interesting. There wasn't, there was a period when before I left where you just get excessively large chocolate eggs, like really big things, mm. and you would be like, like full mm. like Mars bars and Snickers and Crunchy bar, mm. like all the like like usually Easter eggs would be like small and they'd have the small options mm. or they'd have like a variant of. But these were like full mm. on giant egg, full like size chocolate bars. And it all seemed quite excessive. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have a lot of those in the shops. So, you know, celebrations, right? The little Aye. the little round box of bite-sized Snickers, Mars and stuff. Mm. They now have a tub of celebrations and it's mm-hmm. a huge plastic. I don't want to say barrel, but it's a, it's, it's a yeah. pail yeah. with a big plastic lid. It looks like a bucket of paint. Yeah, but they have that kind of thing in uh, Britain. Like you'd have Quality Street and Roses are the two big kind of Christmas mm-hmm. sweets. And you mm-hmm. get those with massive tins or massive boxes. Tins of chocolate. Ah, okay. like, But like really, because they're individual chocolates. So yeah. like, and you've got different flavours and stuff like mm. that. Different wrappers. Mm. And you would just get ginormous tins. People with these um, giant tins of sweets and people, loads of people would be buying them. Um, mm. at Christmas so okay. it doesn't surprise us that you could get a bucket of of them in Germany I was kind of surprised it's taken this long maybe for them to appear okay <laughs> it might not be a bucket but I mean just the plasticness of it reminded me of a bucket of paint just a bucket I've got the image in my head of exactly what you said I, I can imagine it would be maybe slightly differently shaped than the British mm. version but, but yeah people like chocolate you know it is Easter after all it's not one that I celebrate particularly well <laughs> but mm. it's it is it's a it's a weekend that's good public holidays are never mm. never a problem for me to be honest are you going to church with your family nah oh, no okay. way no way <laughs> like <laughs> oh, my life is so far removed from going to church my mum mm. might go i see mm. my dad probably goes but like i spent so much time at church as a kid that i mm. did all the church going i needed to do before mm. the age of 16 and mm-hmm. now if I make a guest appearance at some point, then that's mm. fine. But well, there's only so many times you can see Jesus, someone dressed as Jesus riding a donkey on like a kind of rainy March Sunday. <laughs> like, mm, that, that's, like, that's before Good Friday, right? Uh, that's Palm Sunday. Yeah, Jesus is the Sunday before. So Jesus is like coming. Ah, uh, oh, I've forgotten it all now. But he's definitely, he's rocking up and they lay out all the palms for him. Uh, they would always bring a donkey into the hall and it would always take a dump on the floor. So like that would be that would be the situation. I was just I remember just watching it going, I'm glad I don't have to tidy it up. Even as a little kid, I was like, everyone knows what's gonna happen here. We're all waiting. Donkey comes in, they do like say a little bit. It's actually worse if it has a um has a, a was. Exactly. Cause that's that is re- in a on a hardwood floor. Nah. <laughs> like it's gonna move it's gonna move around, it's gonna go around people's feet. It's Ew. never good. 
Like if it decides to go for a number two, at least it's it contained in one area. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was like that's the <laughs> level of knowledge I have about this. That's my memories. <laughs> that's my memories of Easter. A well-fed donkey. Okay. <laughs> Well, my Easter Sundays at home in Sri Lanka used to be quite different. So we used to have, uh, each kid had to bring a palm, mm. a branch of a palm. Mm. And we used to walk through the village singing mm-hmm. hymns. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a relatively big village. So there was a lot of walking and a lot of singing. Mm. And then people used to line the streets and just look at us. I don't think we had a donkey though. That would have been fun. Donkeys always add a little bit of uh, a, a frisson of um, uncertainty. That's what you mm, want. You know, like the, <laughs> the nativity scene, Easter, you know. They'll have similar sort of things in, in Bavaria. And I don't know how it's kind of done in the uh, sort of evangelical churches, but I imagine mm. there's something similar. I'm sure mm. there'll be a groovy minister with a guitar. That's always my vibe whenever I go past a... Um, one of the evangelical churches mm-hmm. uh, like every we went for St. Martin's Day and that's mm. the vibe you get is like it's kind of <laughs> yeah quite kind of like my dad would call it a happy clappy church I think oh uh, uh, did your father say happy clappy with in a sense of um... no like I don't think there was any judgment on it I think it was ah. just a terminology but I think there could be for certain church goers a certain mm. Like, people like certain services, you know? They like certain things, certain ways. Yeah, like my father. Yeah. No happy clappy for him. Yeah, I think it's, I think especially if you're used to quite sedate Anglican ceremonies, mm. they're pretty formulaic. Every single yep. one's pretty formulaic. Yep. There's not a lot of, there's maybe little changes. But if you then have people standing up and clapping, it can be, for yep. British people especially, a little bit like, ooh, oh, uh, what should we do? Oh, Oh, we'll just sit here and feel incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that, that's my parents right there. Yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. sit here. We'll just stare at our yeah. feet or at the ceiling. But that's one of the things that my parents were really good at because just through my dad's work, we'd go to a lot of different kinds of ceremonies and see like different churches. And, and be adaptive, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't take a lot of ad- adaptation for me. Oh, the only thing that my parents were really concerned about was just like the four of us just pissing about. Most of the time, I just they would give me the order of service, and I just draw pictures on it. That was me for like an hour, and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just I like I like the idea that somewhere out there, there's still like a little kid in a church just going, "Oh, when's, when's this gonna be up? This is the third time this week." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's different in Britain though, because it doesn't shut down, and there isn't a transfer boat either, which is something that I think. They're still going on it's across the whole of Germany. It's not just Bavaria, where yeah, you can't yeah. you can't have any music, loud music, and certainly no dancing on Good Friday. No. Although I think there's a punk demo in it's probably in Berlin. I know there's a lot of punks who have planned to challenge that that order. I mean, for listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure we've discussed it before. But the dance report is is usually put in for certain religious, well, strictly christian religious festivals and uh, namely kind of easter which just means like most bars have to close early most venues have to close early i think they can't play music after 12 o'clock i remember being really annoyed that we'd have a public holiday on a friday and we couldn't take advantage as british people in germany of getting drunk all night and just enjoying it so no restaurants on friday don't think i'm not sure if it affects restaurants but i think most restaurants close before 12 anyway but like definitely all the bars had to close Mm. where we we were i know it's not a popular ordinance but 
There's some people who were pretty like defensive of it online mm. uh, the other day. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of. I was. We sort of got into a discussion about Sundays having as a day off, mm. and then that sort of morphed into discussions about public holidays. Mm. And then when I said sort of, I didn't think it was really on to have laws that are weighted towards one particular religious denomination. Mm. They seemed to get quite upset. The phrase "Germany's a Christian country" came out which is always an indicator that the conversation's gone a bit sour. In Sri Lanka, if I remember right, on well, on the full moon, mm. every month, it's a Buddhist holiday. Right. And you're not allowed to sell meat mm-hmm. or alcohol, mm-hmm. which means that people stock up the day before. But you can mm-hmm. buy uh, processed meat like sausage. Oh, it's right. just the fresh meat and the fresh fish that you can't buy. Is that to do with the, the process, the slaughtering of the animals? Or? Yeah. You're right, okay. And I think the same stands for uh, Good Friday, if I am right. Again, it's one of those things where I'm like, it's dumb, but I kind of understand why they exist. As long as it's culturally relevant, like yeah. it's when it's the minority of people are saying, oh, you have to follow our religious values. And you're like, yeah. if everyone's an agnostic then, or a different religion... As a kid, though, I wondered, like, okay, so we have all these rules about Good Friday. Not rules, but we have these traditions mm. about uh, observing Good Friday. But mm. then we also know, as Chris, I mean, Christians, and I come from a Christian household, like, so Jesus rose on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So what's the point in being sad? And, like, when you know that in two days, like, he rose. That was a bit of a conundrum to me as a kid. It was always a funny one because there was like a palpable sense of despair. I think whenever there was a service that was on the on Good Friday, yes, like it was a dis- like it was heavily kind of weighted Miserable. towards. Yeah, very much so. And I always yeah. had that same feeling too. I was like, "Come on, yeah. come on, everyone! We know what's yeah. going to happen. We're going to get to Sunday. We're all going to be happy. It's yeah. uh, everyone's going to have a chocolate egg in their pocket. It's going to be great. And being their Sunday best, <laughs> exactly." Exactly. Yeah. So I don't really feel so negative about yeah. about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you, the question I've actually been wanting to ask you, because mm. we've been talking about it for months and months, is how do you feel now with your chocolate egg in one hand and the possibility of a 49 euro rail ticket for the whole of Germany in the other hand? How do you feel the, the 49 euro ticket has been released? since the 3rd of April, so you must be pretty happy. I am, because it's the last month of uh, not uh, using a 49 euro ticket, right? It's, it's April. No, it's like, it's happened, it's now. Like, it's from the 3rd, you can buy it. So also for April? Well, yeah, I guess as soon as you buy it, you'll be able to activate it for April, yeah. Oh, nice! I thought yeah. they were going to activate it only uh, May onwards. I mean, my understanding was that you were free, they're freely available. I don't think there's like a pre-purchase point or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I went on sale on April 3rd. Available by online as part of a digital subscription. Residents and tourists will be able to travel on local and regional public transport networks across the country for 49 euros a month. Eh? That makes no sense. Oh, right. It's me that's wrong, Dilly. Sorry, I've not understood this at all. That's really mm. odd. So what? basically what you're saying is you can buy the ticket, but you can't use it until May 1st. Yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> Why have they done that? Oh. I mean, you can buy 
the ticket now in order yeah. to start traveling in May. Oh, that's wild. Do you not make early travel plans, Nick? Does integration mean nothing to you? <laughs> no, I just hadn't really processed that. But like, if you've got the 49 euro ticket, you don't need to book on anything, do you? You just get on the train. As long as it's a Regan Albon, you're, you're laughing, aren't you? You can buy it now. If it's 49 euros, why buy it early when you can buy it just in May? <laughs> like, what's, I don't understand. <laughs> am I am I the crazy one here, Dilly? Am I the mad one? I, I don't know how to answer the question without breaking your heart. <laughs> Come on, explain it to me. What am I not understanding? It made perfect sense to me. So I'm wondering if it's uh, if if I've become like if I've crossed the bridge and now I am like completely German. <laughs> it made complete sense to me. Of course you'll be able to buy it in April and keep it in your wallet so that you don't lose it. Am I holding up a mirror to your Germanness? Uh <laughs> I, I think so. I think it speaks to my Germanness. I kind of find it a bit ridiculous that that I feels like a kind of. Uh, it seems like uh, Volker Vissing needs a bit of TV time. Let's roll out the transport minister on television to announce something. Yeah, I don't understand why. It's great. I mean, fine. That's. I mean, it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. But I don't quite understand the difference unless, between unless unless something unpleasant happens or happened in German politics and they needed to cover that up with the mm. early news of the 49 euro ticket. <laughs> I mean, unless it was like before we go on holiday, we need a win. Could well be that. Wouldn't surprise mm. us. Mm, could be. But I kind of, I find it interesting. Maybe I'm not as German as I, th I thought I was. Mm -hmm. That does seem to not really make sense to me, the necessity to, to sort of announce it. But it's, it's still talking about, like there's a few articles that I've, uh, I've read mm. that I still have people complaining about about the tickets yeah there's just going to be complaints about it all the way through but that's just a good thing it's a good thing you can buy it and you can keep it in your wallet as you said dilly and yeah. uh i don't know um get it out maybe right how about this dilly what be like 100 percent german could laminate it no you can't actually if you're 100 percent german you will not laminate it because a ticket conductor <laughs> can't like you know make little marks on it <laughs> good point good point I failed the test. Have we taught you nothing? I, I, I'll head to the embassy now and I'll hand in my, <laughs> my Deutsche Pass. <laughs> Sorry, I can't be German. <laughs> Germany got rid of their monarchy at the end of World War I. But that hasn't stopped the country from periodically obsessing over the monarchs of other nations. Last week, it was the turn of King Charles, which still feels very weird to say, and I'm not quite used to it yet, and Queen Consort Camilla, which also feels very weird. They received uh, a VIP treatment as part of their European charm offensive in the run-up to the new monarch's coronation in May. So there's been this big tour of Germany and, uh, yeah, they're sort of rolling out all their patented uh, monarchical charm to uh, um, sweeten up everybody in Europe. I'm suspicious that maybe this is to do with the potential of a new government coming soon, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, going by the general media goodwill, the trip seems to have been a success, with one Berlin newspaper describing Charles as, get this dilly, King Cool! Oh, which simultaneously no. made me question the general levels of English understanding in Germany and whether a septuagenarian born into wealth and privilege can really be described as cool. So a lot of questions around that one. What do you reckon, Dilly? You reckon uh, he's king cool? 
isn't the name already taken? Isn't that some kind of rap singer? <laughs> King I mean, Cool? Maybe that's his new uh, his new venture. He's going to be the rapping monarch. His backup plan. If you succeed, Nick. <laughs> it was a little bit much. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I know where you well, I know where you stand uh, when it comes to a royal uh, the royal family and the monarchy in Britain. But since it was King Charles and uh, Queen Consort Camilla coming to Germany, I was wondering, what was it like? When your two worlds collided, Nick? I tried to avoid it at first, and then I realized it's unavoidable, it's everywhere. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird because I can't remove myself from how much I dislike the monarchy, which mm. makes it very difficult for me to, like, when I see them, my first instinct is to go, oh, like, oh, it's this crap. But I think there's a lot of positive things. I think I got into a bit of trouble because I um, tweeted something about how his speeches were quite useful. Like you saw the usefulness of the monarchy mm-hmm. and the fact that you have like this batshit insane government in charge who are like laying waste to the uh, social services and mm. attacking migrants and refugees for pretty much everything. Um, they're at fault there. And contrast that with like what appeared to be quite a decent, nice bloke who spoke some German. Like mm-hmm. he showed like kind of the British decent bloke kind of example that does exist out there. And mm-hmm. um, whether that's accurate to who he is, I don't know. But yeah. I did feel conflicted over the fact that, my again, first instinct was to be like, oh, this is a load of wank. And then to hear what he said and the reaction, I think more than anything from Germany as a whole was quite, yeah, I was quite, I was quite surprised how, yeah. how positive it was. Like I said, king of cool, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think there's a couple of things that were a factor in the reception one mm. of which was that his sort of intention to address the bundestag which loads of people seemed really surprised that he was the first monarch to have done so i, I guess was, they sort of, yeah they sort of assumed the queen had probably done it mm. but also it was a lot on tv a lot of the stuff that was happening was on tv they made a big mm. i was trying to think of like I don't track all the comings and goings of foreign dignitaries to Germany, yeah. but I was kind of like, that feels like they don't usually do that for everyone, you know? Yeah. When the Prime Minister of Japan comes, yeah. even the Emperor of Japan, if he came to Germany, would he? Would there be like televised, everything be televised, all his speeches be televised? Bundestag's speech was televised. His speech mm. at the dinner was televised. So it felt like a lot of royal watching going on. I was wondering whether it's also because um, the royal family, I mean, they have a very huge uh, and curated social media presence in contrast to the emperor of Japan, for instance. It doesn't surprise me that people have this uh, celebrity worship thing when it comes to the king and the queen. I guess I'm terrified of treading into the royal commentator waters that... Mm that people who often have these discussions walk into. But my feeling was the combination of official state visit, mm. which has all the pomp and circumstance that you get, and the, the had the welcome at the Brandenburg tour, mm. and all of these things, and the bands playing, James mm. Bond and God Save the King and all of that stuff. And uh, you contrast that as well with the kind of media attention. Mm. Like... Prince Harry and Meghan Markle come to Germany would get some media attention. 
but mm. it isn't a state visit, it isn't an official visit of a foreign dignitary of mm. kind of perceived high status. The monarchy yeah. still holds a lot of weight, I think, just in its institution in itself. Yeah. Also, I think it's there's a little bit maybe more made of it because it's good to keep in with Britain and keep the... If the monarch's that, as he said, to kind of keep the, the doors open and mm. and talk about the relationship of Germany and Britain. Yeah, also it's his first official visit to another country. And I think there's a lot of other factors in play there mm. that might make it a little mm. bit more exciting. But it's interesting as well that it is the first place that he's visited, the first country he's visited yeah. uh, since the death of his his mother last year. Mm. But actually, interestingly enough... It wasn't mm -hmm. meant to be Germany. It was meant to be France. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah. So he didn't go to France because of the crisis right now? Yeah, like the strikes and, and all the issues and around no it. And no fuel. Yeah, I think there was a decision made by France to disinvite him. And then he chose to come to Germany. But I don't think Germany feels in any way kind of second best in that. That's the bit I like. It's like, oh, British people and German people sort of getting on and... Mm. That's nice. And there was an example of the guy who tried to give Camilla and then eventually tried to give Charles a Burger mm. King crown. <laughs> it's like, well, that's it's quite, quite creative, actually. Burger as in sweet... the cheeseburger, but also the citizen. It's like dumb, but it's like kind of nice human moment, isn't it? You can kind of enjoy that. That's not really awful. Um, and he refused and he said that he, there was no need for it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, because like, he's got loads. I think the problem I have with it is kind of became very clear to us mm. when the, on Thursday we had all this lovely kind of, ah, oh, Germany and Britain, and isn't it great, you know, and mm. oh, we're going to visit all these different places, which we'll talk about in a moment. But then on Thursday, there was a TV show in Britain and they were debating this apparent idea the government's had. They want mm. to spend eight million to put pictures of King Charles in schools and like hospitals and government oh, buildings. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. I it's feel like, for you. I'm so sorry. It's like such a dumb idea. And and then they were sort of they were saying, oh well, what's the problem with it? Like, why wouldn't you want to do it? And one of the commentators went, well, first off, the cost of it. Mm -hmm. He could probably afford to do that himself if he wanted. Why doesn't he just step forward? And he hasn't. So like, what's that say about him? And yeah. if it was such a like, if he was such a modest bloke, you know, such a normal guy which yeah. is kind of the, the sort of image he's sort of portraying. Why would you not say something? Why would you come out and go, this is ridiculous. Like, I'd stop putting my, we don't need to have my picture in the, on the wall. This isn't the sort of 1877, you know. It's very <laughs> so, teen pot dictator-like to have your picture everywhere. It's an empire. It's what they used to do in the empire. You'd have Queen Victoria yeah. on the school yeah. wall, you know. And also, like, I mean, right about now, when things are very expensive in Britain and people are not heating their homes, families are going hungry. Mm. Nine million pounds spent on photographs of a king and a queen consort. I think it would only be the king, but it's just one of these, uh, like... Still? <laughs> it's one of these daft kind of... I can't really see it happening. And it seems like one of these stories that are just thrown out there, like chaff or something to, distract people but maybe he feels like there aren't enough busts of him i mean there are busts everywhere of of his mother like you know maybe he feels competition here i don't know i guess we'll see i'm sure there'll be plenty made made for him but like that's an interesting contrast that sort of brings it all home to us that yes it's nice to have all these moments but there is a real like 
real world implications to having a monarchy over anything else. Yeah, um, it's a sinking feeling. Yeah, so he was met. He was met by Frank Walter Steinmeier, the good mm. president of Germany, and mm. uh, the first lady, which is a term I hadn't really heard related mm. to uh, Elke Budenbender, but it's apparently the terminology is first lady of Germany. So mm-hmm. more power to her. Uh, and they met the royal couple, as I said, at the Brandenburg Gate with full military honours. So all that pomp and circumstance, which everybody loves so much. This was then this sort of precursor to the Bundestag speech, which Charles gave, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, first to address, first monarch to address the Bundestag. And he said some quite sort of warm things, things like, together we must be vigilant to threats to our values and determined to <laughs> confront them with, deter- with determination, I think is what he said. But I think that's is the German translation. Together we must give our people the security and prosperity they deserve. And he gave some of his speech in German, which many people sort of enjoyed, but uh, there were some interesting discussions online about, about his German pronunciation. What did you reckon? How did you find his German? Do you think it was some solid Germaning that the monarch of Great Britain is doing? More than the German, I think I was concerned about his uh, possessive pronoun in front of uh, people, like our people. This unelected bloke prancing around. It's very patronizing. But it's what, it's, this is what they say, man. Like, we're so conditioned to it. It's what they say. He's the head of state, isn't he? So he's in that position to sort of say it. Like, the sentiment's nice. Mm. But why not just say the people of Britain and, and Germany? But I guess that's the new, new monarchy, I guess. It's a bit cliche, no? Like prosperity, security. It's, who wrote it? Was it like a, one of those artificial intelligence speech makers? <laughs> he was on ChatGPT beforehand. <laughs> speech for monarch to Bundestag. Help me. I, I, I don't know why people fall for this. I, I would have booed him. Did well, he, let's be honest, the whole thing's quite vanilla, right? The whole visit. It is. It is. It's embarrassing, no? Do you think it's embarrassing? I don't know if I found it embarrassing. I think I've just, I've read about these so many times and I've seen mm. them all through my life that the sort of vanilla-ness and general, like the, the, I hadn't even thought about the pronoun aspect. I just was like, yep, yeah, that's pretty much what happens when the monarch comes to give a speech. But um, I hadn't really considered it to be anything other than very British, upper-class speech given. One comment on the speech giving, I think, considering the fact that Charles first practiced all of these speeches in bloody French, and then <laughs> soon after he had to... <laughs> he just translated them into German. Trans- I mean, he just changed to German. I mean, come on, give uh, the man some credit. Hey, if we're going to recycle chocolate Santas into chocolate bunny, Easter bunnies, why can't Charles recycle his speeches? I say that again, Nick. You're quite right. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, the whole thing was like, oh, he's visiting a cheese factory. He's pouring a beer. He's chatting to some locals at a market. It was all a bit like, this is the most rote paint by numbers. Put it this way, they weren't doing this when William and Catherine went to Barbados last year. There was none of the. There was no one like, oh, here's at the market. <laughs> See, now that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that yeah, was exactly. lovely. That was like comeuppance. But that's it. It's it's like different countries are treated differently, you know. You can see who matters in this instance. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily the, the, the West Indies uh, in that constellation. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was like, it was kind of like training wheels, you know. Go to Germany, 
there's no trouble with Germany. Germany doesn't really care about what Britain's doing. It's kind of got one eye on it. They seem to like the monarchy. Go shake some hands. Go give some speeches in German. Mm. Go look at some cheese and pour a beer and then get back on the plane and come back uh, without any major disasters and you can have your crown in May kind of thing. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It's all so staged. There's nothing genuine about it. There's nothing... I mean, no. there was a video of Charles and Camilla. Can I call them Charles and Camilla? I uh, can, that's, right? I'm calling them Charles and Camilla because I'll be, I'll be buggered if I'm going to spend the rest of this conversation <laughs> talking about King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla. We're not the BBC, as, any, as anyone can tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. The Charles and Camilla, I mean, they were in the, uh, in the ice train. Mm. You know, on two mm-hmm. seats, uh, looking very ordinary, drinking mm-hmm. tea. And Charles was like going through a folder. There were like little notices. And everything was turned over. Because, I mean, if not, people would have zoomed in and they would have found little mm-hmm. passages. And, you know, people would have like gone to town on Charles and his speeches. Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt like really staged. Which, every I mean, everything is staged if you think about it. But, but these especially are going to be staged because like... It's the royal family, like everything's a performance. It's all like every bit of content in that speech that was directed towards mm. a German audience. Like from the the clothes not, that he was wearing, his cadence, his attitude, his mm. weather visited, the photos that were taken, it's all choreographed. Mm. And it's it's been like that for a very, very long time. Like as long as it's been the case that there's, there's this much media um on them so nothing's gonna be like there was a lot of photos of him sort of laughing with the market stall owners and i didn't hear any of the audio and i was curious is he speaking mm. german or is he speaking to them in british and does does anyone really understand this kind of weird pronunciation anyway mm. but there was also the the banquet that they went to and this is another bit of this kind of stage management but also who's he speaking to british mm. audience or german audience they did this at the at the Bellevue Palace, which is the residence of, of the president, um, Walter Steinmeier. And Charles gave another speech and bits of it were in German and he made this sort of joke about dinner for one. And mm. it was sort of like, oh, I'm glad you didn't leave me here f- with dinner for one or something like that. It was like mm-hmm. really kind of, <laughs> really bad joke, but like yeah. solid. And I was like, this is an awful joke by the metrics of which we measure jokes. But if you, as a British person, make any jokes about dinner for one, you will kill in a room of sort of middle-class Germans. It'll always yeah. be a winner. People will yeah. laugh. People will love if you, you. If you say, like, same procedure as every year, and people will be like, ha-ha, yeah, dinner for one. Remember the time when you made the joke about dinner for one? Uh-huh, yeah. But, like, fair play. It's, it's a popular bit of British television mm. joy. So, yeah, so he made this speech, and again, he got, like, a lot of warm words, a lot of people sort of saying how mm. good it was did you see the uh the controversy over the over the lead singer from Totenhausen? enlighten me nick so the lead singer was this guy called campino and his real mm. name is andreas frega i think it is he's mm. half british his mum's english mm. and he turned up at the event having obviously been invited and i imagine anyone connected to britain would have been he turned up in tails, like everyone's wearing tails, right? Which these long jackets, he's looking like he's about to conduct the orchestra. Mm. And there was just loads of um, invective online about, oh, he's sold out, man. He's totally sold out. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
<laughs> what did you expect? So what was he wearing? Do you know the sort of traditional long yeah, tailed yeah, jacket? Morning... Yeah, sort of like a morning. I'm not sure if it is a morning suit. Know, this, the tails. This yeah. is the indicator of how posh you are, you know, whether you know. Yeah. <laughs> gradings of suits. But he had like white waistcoat, cummerbund. Did he have a, no, he just had the waistcoat and the uh, uh-huh. white tie. He just he looked like he was going to conduct an orchestra. So fair play to him. But uh, there was just a lot of people who were like, I just thought it's it's typical of punk, isn't it? Everyone's complaining about people selling out in punk. It's always like, I used to like this band, but then they sold out. You know, you've got to mm. be like independent. It's like, well, he's probably not been independent for a very long time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just thought it was funny. He was getting kicked in the ass for it. You have this very in-your-face display of extravagance mm. and you expect dissent from the punk guy? I guess that was the hope, is that he would be like, no, screw you. We pinned our hopes on, on this one guy. Okay, perfect. Yeah, Good to that know. Was it, yeah. All of Germany was waiting for Campino to burn a flag or something. It didn't happen. One of the other things I caught, I'm curious to know what you make of this, because I found it quite mm. sick, sickening. It just made me feel a little bit like mm. I was about to get diabetes from certain things that Germans were saying. So... There was a, a statement, I was reading Süddeutsche Zeitung, and there was mm. a sentence that read, In Charles kommt nicht nur ein König nach Deutschland, der ein schönes Deutsche spricht, right? Mm. In Charles, there is a king who visits Germany and speaks beautiful German, mm-hmm. is the translation. And he did speak well, mm. he spoke solid German. Mm. There were some curiosities around the pronunciation from some people I'd spoken to. But mm. uh, I just thought, like, was it so beautiful like is it really that good uh, someone it's, i spoke to said that it's clear that he'd learned his german from listening to german operas but i wasn't sure how much of that was a was a was a joke and how much of that was serious but yeah i don't know i just felt like it was really is it beautiful no, i don't know is it, sure is it is it is it beautiful or is it sucking up what it felt like they were going the new royal correspondent nick <laughs> <laughs> but it felt like that was what it was that, oh he's great everyone's like oh he's king cool he speaks beautiful German he's cracks these great jokes and I was like oh someone's a bit thirsty right they're a bit thirsty here in Germany for a monarchy like yeah, I mean you can yeah. have them if you want them but it just it felt a little bit ridiculous this might hit a little um, weird but I was mm. thinking so you're in Newcastle right now mm. and we just had a visit from Charles and Camilla here in Germany. If you were in charge of these diplomatic relations, what would you have Charles and Camilla give President Steinmeier or Chancellor Scholz as Mm. gifts from Britain? Well, that's where your point about things being quite stilted would come in because they would probably bring things that would be like, here is a cheese that I produce on my farm and it's meaningful. And I don't know, mm. I think like, well, I always say it when I come to Newcastle, but like the shipping industry and the coal mining industry seem to have been replaced by vape shops. So I'd get them a, like a really nice vape, right? Like a really nice, <laughs> like a really good one, not like a shitty one, like a really good one, you know? So he can like, I don't know, he can blow like thick clouds of vape smoke. Royal smoke. Yeah, you can, can make it like a royal vape flavour. That's what they could do. So that seemed like at least representative of, of one of the growing industries of the UK. I suppose, like, I think food is always a good gift. So food, I'd get some cheese. I would get some nice cheese, but I wouldn't get it off of, like, the Duchy of Cornwall or something. I'd mm. go and get, 
like Aldi cheese, but it's British. I think that would be quite humorous. You go like, ah, oh, like this is British cheese, but it's from it's from Aldi. <laughs> like, I don't know, Let's celebrate the ordinary person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I just like I think it's more like I don't know. I just feel like the, these things, these gifts are kind of a little bit ridiculous. Greg's mm. pasties are an obvious one, and I feel like if I didn't mention it, I would be ridiculed online. But also, um, you I have think to everyone... explain that to me, Nick. Who's Greg? Greg, not you. Don't you must know who Greg's is? Come on, we've had this conversation, right? We have you know, not had this conversation. Greg's is a baker, um, like a fast foodie baker, uh-huh. a bakery in Britain, uh-huh. and it is something that of the few things that I still obsess about when it comes to Britain, it's pretty much up there as one of the things that I would murder people for the opportunity to eat a cheese and onion stotty and have a uh, sausage roll or a steak bake. Oh, nice. Sounds very savoury. It's all very savoury until you get to the cake section where you can have a chocolate eclair. Oh, yeah. Come on. You might have thought it wasn't the 1950s, but it turns out when you see the cake section of Greg's, it's still the 1950s. (laughs) So um, lots of kind of cakey treats but yeah it's so like i mean that's an obvious one that i would chuck in at the mix because because why not Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i don't know some beers get some nice british beers there's some good british breweries out there Mm -hmm. share the love compare some notes go hey maybe you want to tell your breweries not to brew all your beer at around 5.6 percent so you can only have three of them before you feel like you want to have a lie down under a tree and sleep for about two hours why not make a four point four percent beer maybe or 4.6 percent that would be nice mm-hmm. but um uh, yeah maybe that's me thinking about what i want <laughs> no. which was the point in the question anyway i mean it's an objective opinion i don't know what walter steinmeier would get the king like what do you get a king what, what, what do you get a king I get him something he's definitely not got I don't know. With the Burger King crown, he didn't want that. <laughs> exactly. Get him, I'd get him some <laughs> proper shit. It's difficult to buy, get gifts for. <laughs> Just get him some proper shitty stuff. Get him, uh, I don't know, go get him some Pfeffer Bicer. That's pretty good. Like, if you had these, they're great. Some Pfeffer Bicer, mm. I guess. I'd get him some of the, um, some like Maggie sauce, good sauce in a bottle. The mysterious... <laughs> juice maggie juice we're not sure what it does but it it does it well i think it's liquid marmite anything you buy the monarch he's probably got one of at least hmm it has to be original you'd want it to be something that he's not going to pass on to his assistant (laughs) that could be anything (laughs) uh yeah i think i would just be like yeah look come on let's be let's be clear here you're a king so it's really pointless me buying you anything what about Baumkuchen? So it's like the tree cake. I don't even think I know what that is. Baumkuchen. Yeah, that's something you have around Christmas. And it's got like layers starting from the center. It's a circle cake. Right. It has like a big hole in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Uh-huh. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Um, that's actually, that's quite a nice. But he doesn't already have one of that. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> he doesn't have one of these yeah i don't know i think the gift exchange is difficult it's funny you bring up the gift conversation because it's something Mm -hmm. that i've been i've been thinking about a lot because uh uh producer simon obviously brought me back some exciting gifts i'm not sure i mentioned them on the podcast Uh my question to producer simon was can you get me a hobbit for from new zealand 
Now, I, I, I was joking, but he seemed to take it quite seriously and it, it transpired that he was serious because he did Excuse me, it. you were not joking? I, I, I mean, come on, I know that hobbits don't exist. I'm not like an insane person. I don't sit at home going, like, <laughs> oh, hobbits and dragons. <laughs> the, uh, so uh, producer Simon brought back, uh, not quite a hobbit, but he brought back uh, two Funko Pops, one of them. Funko Pops mm-hmm. is a, a brand of like silicony doll type things, I guess, with weird, weirdly shaped heads. And uh, one of them was Gandalf, of course, which is, I think, my favourite of the two, ironically, since I'd asked for a hobbit, because the other one was Frodo. And in return, I've now, as I sit in England, have to return the favour and work out mm-hmm. what the hell do I bring back from England to satisfy the mores of our very producer? Potentially you, Dilly. I don't know what you want. I've got some ideas, but... You're getting me something? I'll bring something back for you, I guess. Oh, no. I guess that's the way. That's really sweet. This is the way now. This, this is what producer Simon's done to us. So I don't know quite what you... My thought, right, and uh, you tell me, Dilly, if this is unacceptable as a gift, right? I'm going to get... Uh, last night, I'll get some fish and chips. I'll just wrap them up nice, put them in a bag, and just post them to... <laughs> I, I would accept fish and chips. I love anything that's fish. Uh, yeah, you won't like it after it's been in the post for three days, but I'm sure I'm sure producer Simon would enjoy it. So that's my idea. For you, Dilly, I'm not going to tell you what my ideas are because then otherwise it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair. I'm going to try and surprise you. Aww. But uh, one of my siblings gave me a very good idea. They've been listening to the oh, podcast. Oh, that's really sweet. But uh, so producer Simon, look out for some, uh, like a letter. It might be, have a lot of vinegar in it. Just have a look out for it. You'll see. <laughs> is is your brother-in-law, Christoph, getting something? Oh, man, what is this? What am I made of money? <laughs> you this is? Oh, um, so you're not getting Christoph something, but I am getting something? Ooh, I'm special. Jeez, oh, if he listens to this, I'm going to have to get him something. So <laughs> I don't know. I'll see what I can, I'll see what I can find. I'll get him, uh, I don't know. What does he like? Uh, most people just like Greg's Dilly so maybe I'll just get you a Greg's and send it over to you (laughs) again three days in the mail it's not going to do you any favours it's a shame I'd have to bring you here for you to enjoy that I see particular I see oh I'm very (laughs) pleased I love getting things in the mail yeah no I was quite excited when I got uh, producer Simon's gift but I guess that's maybe why dignitaries exchange gifts when they go on foreign visits because it's just nice, isn't it? It's nice to get a present. <laughs> it's it's nice. It's um, it's something to look forward to. <laughs> and so what if it's not something you really want? It's still, <laughs> still nice. <laughs> hey, Dilly, I got another question for you. Fire away. Imagine, right, that you are the host of a big party. And you've invited a lot of different guests from all across the country. And as you get towards the date of the party, you begin to receive like lots of letters cancelling from the mm. guests. And by the time it gets to the party, maybe the day before, you realise that like 87% of all the guests that you've invited have all mm. cancelled. Mm-hmm. Would you cancel the event that you were hosting the party? You know what? I'm a sensible person, Nick. <laughs> I'm going to say I will cancel because 87% is... It's quite a lot. Um, it's everyone except for me, my partner, <laughs> and probably my two friends. 
it's, right? yeah, it's a tough question to answer for sure. <laughs> Where are you going with this? I'm guessing there are people who did not cancel the party. Well, um, obviously no one wants to scrap their plans when they've invested so much effort into them. But uh, someone who may have some sympathy with this particular predicament that I've outlined is uh, the Federal Education Minister, Bettina Stark-Watzinger of the FDP. Stark-Watzinger organised a Federal Education Summit and invited all 16 state education ministers to come together to discuss the problems in uh, education across the states and across the country uh, as a whole. Uh, sadly, though, 14 of the 16 state education ministers didn't turn up. Yet, Stark Watzinger, in her infinite wisdom, did not give up. And she went ahead regardless, much to the dismay of many media outlets. <laughs> Do you think that was the right decision there, Dilly? Do you think, uh, in, in retrospect, given what you know, do you think it was a good idea? You know, Nick, um, I'm not one to waste food. If I wanted <laughs> leftovers for the, for the next 12 months, I would have gone ahead with it. I, I think she made the right call. She didn't cancel it. She went ahead with it. Yeah, she wanted the leftovers. You you don't cancel the event. Oh right, so you that you think that's what the plan was that she was gonna she was gonna I, steal I, everything I, from I the buffet. I don't see any other point. Yeah, <laughs> you know all the open face sandwiches which people serve at state institutions here in Germany. For this image that she's like at the end of the night, just got a bin liner just filled with like triangular sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> triangular if you're British but these are open faced oh right yeah you perch. probably would get you would get like stuff with gherkins and like Leberkays on top or something like that yeah and you have like salami and like two halves of a cherry tomato <laughs> and a toothpick to have, hold everything in oh, place yeah. somehow what yeah. kind of luxury are you with all your toothpicks I've yet to see one of them at a buffet I've wanted a toothpick for <laughs> this is what you get at the federal level I guess so yeah okay that makes sense then at least that makes more sense mm -hmm. your logic makes more sense than I think the reality of the situation which seems to be like we're going to have this education summit even if no one turns up and there was like basically no one turned up and it's really crazy 40 out of 16 is nothing it's just you how can you have a summit with two people well it was like her the two others and it felt like they sort of turned up and they it was that thing of like when you go to a party and you turn up and you realize that everyone else has cancelled but no one told you that it cancelled so it's like you and, that, and you were having to console the host or maybe that's the kind of parties that i went to. <laughs> so nick are you telling me that the so the two people that turned up were those responsible for education in two states yeah. and they obviously don't read their fucking email well potentially that's the case but there was two education ministers there i think one was spd and the other was maybe cdu i can't remember and it was just like kind of it was all a bit of a wash really and, and i'm not entirely sure why why they decided to go what their motivation was maybe they just weren't thinking and they didn't realize everyone had cancelled but yeah there was loads of reasons why the ministers didn't turn up i went through a few of them some of them it was like fair reason kind of saying oh this is too disorganized it isn't really clear uh, what the plans are what the outcomes are there was another one that said they used this really interesting word which was schauveranstaltung which is like sh sort of a show event uh, there was no actual substance behind it. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one mm -hmm. who just, like, it was the crappest answer. It was like, oh, the un invite was just really un unclear and I wasn't sure what, if it was happening or not. <laughs> it's just like really what? crappy. 
<laughs> response, um, which they gave, which I thought was a... That's the worst RSVP. It was pretty crap. <laughs> and uh, it, It's not entirely clear who's getting married. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not going to come to the wedding. Uh, you, know, you didn't really make it clear exactly what's going to happen in detail, so uh, yeah. But they're not the only ones. In fairness, there was uh, 50 children's charities, foundations, trade unions, organisations of every stripe, there was daycare and school representatives seemed to agree with this. And there was an open letter that's being hosted on the UNICEF DE website, uh, calling on Olaf Scholz, Chancellor of Germany, to, to recall the summit, to use his kind of power as the Chancellor to form a summit because they believe it's high time. Well, specifically, they say it's high time that Scholz planned a summit to initiate a new start in education which I thought was interesting language, but sort of they're outlining the very serious problems that they see in German education. But they seem to be laying that at the door of the new coalition, which I found a little bit weird because I was like, we've known education's been a bit ropey for at least 10 years. And mm. you know, it's only now that we're like, it's that thing again of like, we've got a left-leaning government. They've got to do everything until the doors close and the CDU come back and we've just got to sit on our hands for the next <laughs> decade. Like, quickly, we've only got five years. Fix education quickly. <laughs> yeah. So they outlined quite clearly. And uh, again, I think things that we don't necessarily disagree with, but we'll maybe have a bit, of, a bit of a thought on. They outline, first and foremost, the issues around getting daycare places and kindergarten places. But they also point out that there's issues on um, shortage of teachers. Uh, mm -hmm. There is issues with increased workload for teachers. And also mm -hmm. a lot of admin that is, it seems, unnecessary um, the general uh, unattractiveness of the job. Yep. The again, this is something that we sort of we've touched on in other areas, haven't we? This like the job just doesn't really appeal to, to young people in the same way. Uh, the performance of primary schools has been declining for years. Issues around the basic skills of reading, writing, listening, and arithmetic. School leaving certificates and kids. Yep. Exactly. Level of performance at all levels is failing dramatically. Mm. They say in secondary schools number of young people who are left behind in their professional lives is growing. Half a million young adults between the ages of 20 and 34 are neither in work nor in school or vocational training, which is quite damning. So there's a lot of issues. There's also been some tacit discussion about the tripartite system. Is it good to have a mm. gymnasium and uh, at the top, the grammar school, as they call it in English? Mm. And uh, is it fair to then allot children at the age of sort of 10, 11, a place either at this academic institution of the gymnasium or mm. a vocational place at a middle schule or, or some such. I forget what the third level is. Is it Hauptschule still? Yeah, um, Gymnasium, Realschule and Hauptschule. Some places call it Mittelschule. I get very confused. I think maybe it's Bavaria, mm -hmm. it's Mittelschule, I can't remember. But you have this system and they're like, all oh, right, you're vocational, you're academic. And then there's like the bucket that's like, well, you're just none of those things. So you go here. And uh, whether that's a fair thing to do to an 11 year old, which is, is maybe another mm. discussion for another time. But they see a lot of problems yeah. for sure. So do you uh, have sympathy with this kind of open letter, the feelings of these 50 charities and various different groups? They have their hearts in the right place, I would say. Mm. Um, there are, I mean, I, I'm a teacher myself, and uh, I mean, you know the uh, the shortcomings, you know where the problems are, and you also know that it's not something that you can take care of as a single teacher, responsible for one classroom. It's, um, and you know, it's at that point where people say you can't change the system, mm -hmm. 
the system consists of a number of people and um, people really need to make better decisions i mean i'm an english teacher and just deciding for english the problems students have learning german school english mm. which they say has nothing to do with english that they now hear every mm. day i mean just my everyday problems as a teacher i mean just to focus on english maybe we have kids who actually do come into contact with everyday english because they there's gaming there's songs and it's very cool and you yeah, you youtube have, netflix yeah yeah and um, what they are taught in school doesn't reflect on what english they actually know mm. and th- there is going to be a huge conflict mm. where kids are going to be very confused about the rules and what they think is english or what it should mm. be there there's problems yeah the teaching methodology is one thing and i think there's obviously generational differences you've got lots of kind of near to retirement teachers lots of new starts mm-hmm. and lots of people in between as i was reading something about marcus soda talking about how because this is a big topic in bavaria about the lack mm. of teachers and uh the, the the thing that annoys me about that is it's also a state issue it's not necessarily a national issue and bavaria mm. was literally telling people 10 years ago don't do teaching courses don't do teaching mm. courses for these topics especially we don't need you and then now they're like oh we need teachers we don't have enough and i don't know why why mm. is it is it because we told them not to do these courses and now we have a deficit and now they want to take teachers from other states so that's mm. a bit cheeky like yeah. where they're like all oh, right well we'll just pay we, we we've got what is considered probably the best the oh, the perception of a lot of people in germany is that bavaria has the best education system that's not to say it does it just that's often the perception but also that they'll pay very well it's a job for life mm. if you become a pianta mm. oh we'll just take all the best teachers from other states like draining mm. the other states of their talent like it's really poor mm. that's a really poor attitude to take i mean the other states that the teachers are being taken from don't actually have an excess of teachers yeah, exactly. either yeah they've got very few too the other, i mean saxon anhalt mm. for instance is in the same place and you have programs where you have zeiten einsteiger quereinsteiger mm. that means um people who haven't studied to become teachers at university doing a lehramt uh, studium mm. uh, so you're not a trained teacher in the classical sense mm. you've been doing something mm. else and you've switched jobs mm-hmm. and you uh, kind of like try to get your head around the fact that you're a teacher mm. and you go through some kind of like crash course yeah. and you have many courses after that and um, that can be quite challenging I mean also for uh, these states as employers to have then other states coming in yeah. to say oh we'll pay them better just uh, you know and even the um, kids who study in these schools are not going to be staying in these states only i mean people travel people move yeah. if there is no national solution to these problems it's not only i mean you you can't have just state solutions it's going to affect the entire country yeah it's but let's that's it is it it looks like there's needed of reform in so many areas that you do probably mm. need like something that focuses on the education of the, of the states as well as the the nation and it needs to have a mm. summit i just seems like that no one agreed that this was a particularly good good one or that it wouldn't just be a talking mm. shop and when nothing would really get done look good for the fdp yeah. look good for the education minister potentially but not really yeah. coming to anything 
I mean, I've got the kindergarten place that we've been looking for for the last like three years, just last week. Mm -hmm. And it just highlights again, like it's not just at the secondary school level or the primary school level, even trying to get a place at a kindergripper. Um, I've read somewhere that 304,000, maybe 340,000, I forget, at least over over 300,000 uh, kids aren't going to get places at, at uh, kindergripper which is like preschool oh, no. education. It's really vital. Statistically shows like, yeah. like so kids who can, kids who go to these like, sort of institutions can be eight months ahead of school when they started. Like really beneficial. Mm. Socializing is something that I'm seeing in my daughter mm. since the uh, end of the pandemic. Like a lack of socialization. Yeah. Like they need all these like really important skill sets. And there's kids who are just mm. never going to get it because there isn't enough places. Yeah. And then, um, I yeah. think Süddeutsche Zeitung had a, um, and Faz did it as well. There was like area by area, how many places were missing. It was like seven people in this town, eight people over here, 25 there. And it's just like shocking that you have a situation where, yeah, the state and the nation says you can have like um, affordable childcare, but actually we don't. And really, if it was a problem yeah. more for men than it was for women, we probably would have seen some bolder solution outlined, but yeah. yet to see that because yeah. the burden generally falls on women. To look after kids when yep. there isn't any kind of available childcare. At the beginning, it's crap. In the middle, mm. it's a bit crap. The secondary situation's a bit crap, and it just produces crap. And that's what they're saying is this could be a fundamental issue in an information mm. economy and a world where information's sort of manipulated, producing people who've had poor education for no other reason than an inability to pull the finger out by the government. Not just this government, but previous ones. Mm. Seems a little bit ridiculous. brings us to the end of the show. We are all going to buy some lovely presents for each other now. Oh, friends. Aww. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag decadesfromhome or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decadesfromhome and contributing to help keep this boat afloat. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dilly Algama and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüss!